0: Well, good morning, church. You know, I don't know about you, but has it gotten a little wearying to be able to look at the news? I'll tell you, I, I just watch of what, what is going on all around the world. And I believe it's very, very important that being that this is, you know, a representation of the Father's house with the family of faith, that God has called this house to be a church of prayer. And I believe it would be irresponsible for we as the family of faith to not acknowledge what is going on literally around the world and for us to come before the throne of grace together. And so I would invite us to do that as we pray for just major things going on around the world. Could you please join me in prayer? Lord God, we come together at this moment, united as one people and one church, to acknowledge that you have blessed us to be a blessing to one another within the family of faith here and around the world, but outside the family of faith where we live, work, and play, and to function as salt and light in places that appear to be decaying and growing darker away from your order and design. Lord God, with so much devastation in the news, ranging from droughts to floods to hurricanes to earthquakes like that experienced in Haiti, we pray your protection over the chaos there, not only from the calamity, but the political instability leading to the difficulty in the distribution of relief funds, Lord. Horrible atrocities are happening there due to the lack of an organized government to handle order in the streets. And we left up your church in Haiti asking for strength and resolve in helping to meet very real needs. Not just physically, not just emotionally and socially, but Lord, also spiritually. Lord, the news, news has also been dominated with Afghanistan. the Taliban takeover leading to the current and ultimately targeting of not just Afghan Christians but girls and women who have been able to feel protected until now but now Lord Lord help them not feel alone so we continue to pray not only for the evacuation process but for those who will not be but live now in a new normal and we pray for the needs to be met for miracles to happen And while our hearts break over the idea of martyrdom, may may we trust your ways, as even this has great potential to give traction um, to the church in Afghanistan. And, And so, Lord, help our brothers and sisters to be strong and courageous, as life in this world is not the end. Yet, Lord, we also pray for those who we keep in close contact with in Lebanon, like Resurrection Church. Churches on the front lines struggling with no fuel, little electricity, no medication or hospital opportunities, living with a currency that has devalued 90% in a short time, a country still reeling from the refugee influx, and that horrible explosion last year. Though these situations feel dire, may these churches in Lebanon continue to plant more and more Jesus into the lives of people. May they look past the very real physical and emotional challenges and see the opportunities to be Jesus to people. Lord, I could go on all day, but we also pray for the world during this COVID pandemic that has truly shaken lives, shaken economies, shaken so much of what we know to be normal. We pray for our very own Michelle Howley in Mississippi attending needs, through the ministry of Samaritan's Purse, due to the hospitals being overrun with COVID patients. Yet despite so many being touched so closely, we see much, so much polarization happening with the how of handling this pandemic that is dividing our nation. Already so divided over other matters, this has just seemed to add fuel to the fire. Lord, we also are reminded of our desperate need for your help. Your guidance, your wisdom and discernment in navigating through the turbulent waters of our times. You, Lord, created this world and declared it good. The pinnacle of your creation was mankind, created in your image. Every human being walking on the face of this earth has both dignity and value. And for this reason, you have called us to love one another, no matter the economic stating, no matter the race or ethnicity, no matter the the socioeconomic differences, you love people and have called us to do the same. And yet, because we live in a fallen and broken world, our hearts can drift toward disdain against those who are not like us, who do not share our views or opinions, and we lament the tensions that so easily grow in us that provide the framework for destruction, fostering environments through either our activity or merely our complacency where certain groups feel less than human, less than valuable, less than the objects of divine worth. Please continue to grow us more like you, Lord, making us one in mission, Reflecting the beauty of the tapestry made up of people, young and old, healthy and frail, rich and poor, black and white, functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit so that people see something different in us. We pray all of these things in the glorious name of the one who has provided us the means by which to love how you love the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Thank you, church. I tell you, I think so many times we just get caught up in the griping of things as opposed to the praying first. I can't pray first. Pray first. You know, another thing we need to be praying for, and that is, is as God is leading this family of faith. tell you, I've come back from Oregon. I talked to pastors in Oregon. It seems like all over this country, the church is being attacked in just amazing ways. Sometimes it's just being attacked by people's attitudes against one another. Sometimes it's being attacked by simple complacency. And we as the church family of faith, we need to pray. We need to pray, people of faith. We need to pray. One of those things we could be praying for as a family of faith is uh, our GS Kids. Our GS Kids is just such an incredible ministry. Sarah Norton and her team are doing a phenomenal job. And I love the work that is being done in our GS kids ministry. I am convinced that where God guides, he provides and sometimes God guides by what he does not provide. And so I told her I would let her know of just kind of where we we are with the amount of those who we need to step up in the kids ministry. Ideally, we would love to have first service and second service covered for our kids ministry And we would even love to have a Wednesday night ministry. But again, we are at the mercy of those who step up and be the church. And so Sarah provided this to me that, hey, first service in early childhood, we're full. Praise God. But second service, we have 42 spots open. We like to have three adults per classroom in our early childhood. And if you have had the intention, but not the follow-through, we pray that you could have some follow-through here this morning. This is a clarion call for we, the church, to rise up. Elementary and first service, we have five open spots from ranging from check-in to leading maybe a particular age group, maybe every other week or so. Um, elementary second service, 16 spots open. And so we never want to guilt or shame. We just feel like we have to present a need. And we know covid time has paralyzed so much of the church of Jesus Christ into a a complacent fearful state and honestly folks we have got to step up and be the church and so again we will share this week based on how much we see people rising up to what we can offer but please understand that um, This next younger generation is an unreached generation for the most part. It really is, folks. I don't think we understand it. I think we keep assuming that, oh, yeah, we're in a Christian nation and the kids are going to get the Bible and all that kind of thing. No, we are in a time where this younger generation, this next generation is a generation that does not know God's word and therefore does not know God. And this is a great opportunity for the the church to say, hey, let's rise up. Let's fill the gap. Let's stand up. So anyway, with that, I would encourage you to uh, get plugged in today. And I will not be offended right now if you get your phone and you get our church app right now at this moment. I will not be offended. Did you hear what I said? I said, from my end point, I said I will not be offended if you go on our church app and you hit that button that just says, "Here's the volunteer form." Would love to fill that out so that we can follow up with you this week. Please, for those of you who've been intending to do something but yet not doing something, please take a step of faith. We need you because there's so many beautiful things happening in the Shine ministry happening. Uh, Being able to come alongside parents that have just unique uh, challenges with with their kiddos and we want to be the church that God has called us to be, to stay on mission, being united in purpose. Amen? Are you ready for a sermon now? All right, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. How many of you are glad we're in the New Testament? Yeah, we're in the New Testament. It's so great. We have been, for those of you who are newer with us, we are on a journey as a church family in the year 2021 to go uh, through the Bible in a year. Now, of course, we can't hit every book of the Bible, but we are... Uh, trying to expose just the general themes of the Bible, the thread, the redemptive thread that began in Genesis and is completed in the book of Revelation. You know, I'm still praying over our Christmas sermon series. Do we call it Apocalyptic Christmas? Yeah, we'll be in the book of Revelation. I don't know. Uh, Pray for your pastor and the teaching team as we pray through that one. But anyway, um, the book of Matthew is... uh, you know, Matthew was written by one of the disciples of Jesus, who was a tax collector. His name was Levi. Um, his name then be, became Matthew. Um, and it, it's just, it's a, a beautiful picture of the beginning of the ministry of the life of Jesus, and the importance of what we are called to embrace as a people of faith, and that is Repentance. And so normally what I'd like to do is stand and read through the text, but I'm gonna be talking through the text today. And so I would encourage everybody to follow along in your Bibles, turn on your Bibles, or at least get the Bible in front of you and the seat back in front of you. Um, because on page 961, I just want people following along because there's something to following along the scripture as we read through it. So whether you're, you're at home, I want you to follow along Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And I want to stop right there. Because who is this guy, John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus. He had been given a very clear mission of God, even before he was born, that this is one who would prepare the way for Messiah. Now, when I've read about John the Baptist before, I go, man, what a, what a crazy guy. I mean, his outfit, kind of a little bit ridiculous. I mean, eating locusts. Who here has ever eaten a locust? Come on, you guys got to get it out there a little bit more. Those little legs get stuck between your teeth. But, you know, you dip them in a little honey and they're not so bad. All right, fry those things up. But here you've got these, uh, the, this wild man But it is not that way accidentally. In fact, when you know your scripture and you read even in the book of Malachi that uh, Pastor Kenneth covered two weeks ago, in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, there is a prophecy that says, Look for Elijah. Look for Elijah. Those of you who know the prophet Elijah's story, he was one of the very first prophets who cried out against the idolatry of the nation of Israel. And Elijah went through a phase of being, uh, getting his grooming by the Holy Spirit out by a brook and being fed by ravens. That's pretty wild. I've never been fed roadkill before. Okay, that's a little bit wild for me. But here you've got this Elijah-type figure that was supposed to be the, okay, this should remind you of something. Remember the prophets 400 years ago. Look for Elijah. And so he is out in the wilderness. And theologians say about this time in this region, there were on the low side 600,000 people. On the high side, maybe up to a million people. But the news and the reputation of John the Baptist was going out there. Okay, but what was his message if you could put it in one word what was john the baptist's message repent. repent 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 have you ever been in the big city and you walk down the street and you've heard that same you've seen the guy with the cardboard saying repent um, the judgment of God is coming, all that kind of thing. Well, this had a, an apocalyptic kind of feel to it. And John is just saying the word repent. What does that mean? Repent simply means turn away from your sin. Now notice there were no other points made in John the Baptist sermon. Now he says for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's about ready to introduce Jesus. Jesus is about ready to come on the scene. But he says to prepare your way for the message that you're going to hear and see in the life of Jesus, you need to repent. Turn from your sin. What again I find interesting is he doesn't go into specifics. He doesn't say... Repent of how you're treating your finances. Repent of how you're treating your spouse. Repent of how you're treating your friends. He doesn't go into that. He just simply says, repent. And I think that's pretty powerful. Because even right now, where you are seated, wherever you're watching from, right now, I trust that the Holy Spirit of God is identifying in your mind those areas where. You may need some repentance. Now some of you maybe aren't going there because it's like, yes, but I'm a pretty good person. I do good things for my neighborhood. I'm just, God is so lucky to have me at least acknowledge him as God. I'm a pretty good person. And see, I am not doing bad things to people. But we need to come back to the fundamental aspect of what sin is. In Genesis chapter 3, I want you to get a, a little bit historical here. In Genesis chapter 3, you have God telling Adam and Eve, you can eat from all of these trees of the garden. Everyone, you can eat from all of them, except for just this one. Now, was taking from the forbidden fruit, a vile act in and of itself? I want you to think about that. Because I think so many times we think just the sin that needs repented of is the really bad stuff. But they eat every day. I mean, the act of eating is not a bad thing. The problem is, what made it sin is God says, but you cannot eat from that one. And they said, oh yeah? Watch and look. You see, repentance is turning from sin. It is turning from sin. And the message of John the Baptist was getting traction. The reputation was going out. You've got to see this madman. You've got to come hear his message. And so people come out, but look in verse 7 who comes out. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism he said to them you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves we have abraham as our father for i tell you god is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire basically what John the Baptist is telling the religious establishment he was saying guys you brood of vipers he was calling out their hearts he said you try to impress everybody with how you live you make you guys the hero of every story out there. And in doing so, you puff yourselves up and you put others down. You brood of vipers. How offensive. How offensive. How offensive, even to them, to have this guy, John the Baptist, out there preaching. He wasn't from the aristocracy, he wasn't from the upper levels. I mean, look what he's eating. Surely what good could come from this guy? But here you've got John the Baptist calling out the religious leaders. You see, this reminds me that there are two ways, even as Christ followers, to live separated from God. I'm just saying living as though you have no relationship with God. The first is blatant disobedience to the will of God. See, we need to be a people who know the word of God. Do you agree with me? We've got to be a people who know the word of God so that we know the will of God. And we know it so well that whatever situation we come into, we know because we have been filtering our brains through, uh, allowing the word of God just to continue to inform us. But see, here is what I think is the most dangerous for those of us who have made the choice to highly prioritize being a part of a local church. Being a part of a local church now is not very popular. Committing weekly to a local local church is not popular now. It's even more unpopular since COVID has begun. People to say, eh, I'll just watch something periodically, but I am not gonna prioritize that. And in so doing, they miss the gymnasium that this is where we learn how to sacrifice and extend grace to one another. But when we isolate, we don't get to practice those important spiritual bustles. But see, here is another way we live separated from God, thinking you are good enough to earn God's approval. And that's what religion is. Religion is the perfect smokescreen to make us feel like we're doing pretty well, but we really don't need Jesus. Well, verse 11, John says this. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire." And so what is this whole idea of baptism? I mean, is this something that, that John the Baptist himself came up with? I mean, it's a weird act when you think about it. I mean, here in the 21st century, out here in Eagle Lake this afternoon, we're baptizing over 20 people who have said, I have chosen to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so what they're doing is we are going to dunk them. We're going to baptizo them. That's the word in the Greek. And there wasn't a really, really clean word in the Greek for this other than, you know, you, 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 you baptize your French fries and you baptize them into ketchup. Um, you know, it's submersion, submer, submersing something under something else to then get that identity onto themselves. That's what baptism is all about. But what we're gonna see here is this, that baptism is a portrait of what happens when repentance happens. Geographically, where does the text say that John the Baptist was doing the baptizing? Judean wilderness. Right on the edge of the Judean wilderness there was the Jordan River. Do you remember the Jordan River? The Jordan River was the river that the nation of Israel had to cross to get from the wilderness and into promise. For 40 years, they were in the wilderness, going in circles, so to speak. And finally, the time had come for them to go in, enter into promise. But for them to enter into promise, they had to put their feet where? In the Jordan River. The Jordan River was The boundary between the wilderness and the promised land. That's where John the Baptist was doing his baptism. Because here is what John the Baptist's baptism was all about. Yes, I go under and here I am cleansed from the penalty of my sin. And when I come up, I come up a new person. It's almost like I, I, I put on new team colors. You know, I, I was for team me, myself, and I. Now, I am on the Lord's team. I mean, this, this is really, now I'm going to step from, from wandering and, and chaos and all of those things. And I'm going to dare to step in faith toward the direction of promise. That's what baptism is all about. So what is happening is John the Baptist is symbolically saying, okay, this act here in the Jordan River is taking you from wilderness into promise. So why would Jesus need to be baptized? See, let's read on. Verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me? But Jesus answered, let it be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him and behold a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased these are the first words heard from God in over 400 years this is an identity statement folks He said, no, this right here, this is my beloved son. What my son just did in your presence was identifying with sinful creation. But he is not gonna stay under there. He is going to live life. He is going to take on your sin. He is going to take on my sin. He is going to take on the penalty of sin that we deserve, which is death. Jesus Christ is going to do that. And here, his baptism was symbolic in this idea of substitution, of of him taking on our penalty for us. That is such good news, isn't it? That is such good news. And so here we've got this first idea of substitution, that in this life, as a sinner, I deserve death. But Jesus now, in my place, takes death for me. And that is when we go under the waters, that is what that represents. Here's the tragedy of many who say they are Christ followers in the church of Jesus Christ today. They are living as though they are still under the water. And then Satan comes and says, man, you are such a sinner. You are such a loser. You are such a dot, dot, dot. See, Satan will go after your identity in the very same way we see in uh, Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus was baptized, where is he taken? He was taken in the wilderness to be tempted. He was taken there by the Holy Spirit of God, going from baptism into battle. I know so many Christians get disillusioned. I was baptized. Man, everything in my life is going to go great. And then everything doesn't go so well. And you understand that life is a battle. And it's daily growing in dependence on the Holy Spirit of God. For Lord, empower me to do what you call me to do. See, Jesus is our substitute. But praise God that he didn't stay under. Yes, he died. But he rose again. That's what baptism is all about. There is a death, but there is a resurrection. And because of that, there is this idea of identification with Jesus. So in the very same words that God said of his son are the very same words God says of you. This is my beloved son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. Now in your heart of hearts, you can say, well, he's not pleased with what I'm thinking right now. He's not pleased in this situation. He's not pleased in this situation. And we as the church of Jesus Christ need to wake up because this identification with Jesus not only cleanses us from the penalty of sin, because it does that, cleanses us from the penalty of sin, but secondly, redeems us from the power of sin. Because we get to identify baptismo is is like when you put a white piece of cloth into a cup of dye. And when it comes out of that dye, is it going to be white anymore? No, it's going to be whatever color that dye is. See, that is identification. That is taking on the nature of what it was dipped into. So in baptism, we are dipped into uh, signifying this whole idea of death, that on the cross, that my old life was crucified with Jesus. And now I raise again to my new life, living in the victory of Jesus. Isn't that good news? That is such good news. Good news here. And so, when we take that to heart, this is where we get the third aspect of, of baptism and that is proclamation. We proclaim a thanksgiving to God. And we proclaim a thanksgiving that I'm so happy to be in this family of faith. Yes, this is not a perfect family of faith. Those do not exist. But this is a family of faith that is committed to being authentic in our walk with the Lord. Allowing people to go through the ups and the downs of the journey of the Christian life. But where you can be in a place like this and it just feels like home. You can go through the hardest of whatever life has to bring at you. But we get to live in the power of the resurrected Lord. That's good news. And that's what we're celebrating today. That's why we say baptism isn't just some ritual that we do, it is something that signifies the totality of what the New Testament is all about or really what the entire scripture is about. We were dead as lawbreakers, but now we are raised to life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Galatians 2:20. Galatians 2:20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Have you been crucified? Has your old nature been crucified? Or do you love to just keep um, bringing back that old nature and say, oh, you know, I, I found more life in that than life in Christ But you know, when you are secure in your life in Christ, God gives you the means in the very same way. Those who recently got to have a trip up into space, they had to be in a particular kind of a capsule that was designed to be able to take that kind of thrust and enter into those kind of heights. It was designed for that. Those who go into great depths into the ocean, they're put in apparatus that are designed to go that deep. When we are in Christ, we are designed and secure in Christ to go from the highest places and even to the lowest places so that the mission of God can go forth. And we join him in that. Isn't that good news, church? See, as I said, if you look back at chapter four, immediately after Jesus gets baptized, he goes into battle. And how is it that Satan attacks? Satan attacks Jesus in the very same way he attacks you and I. He goes after your identity. First and foremost, he goes after your identity. He goes after your identity. You know, if you are a child of God, you wouldn't have done that. If you were a child of God, you wouldn't have said that. Identity, identity, identity. And how does Jesus respond each and every time? It is written, and he goes back and remembers what is it that the Father said over me. Oh, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You need to say, whenever Satan attacks your identity, you've got to go back to, yes, but this is what the Lord says about me. How about do something to prove God is with you? Jesus said to his disciples, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We never need to pray, Lord, please be with us. Now we could say, be with us in greater power. We want to see the miracle of your presence, your manifest power here. You pray that, but God promises never to leave or forsake. And so many places will say, well, you've got to have a manifestation of proof that God is with you or else. And that leads to all kinds of crazy out there. Or how about this one? Claim the prize without the process. Claim the prize without the process. Satan was telling Jesus, hey, you know what? Just you, you, you worship me, and I will give you the kingdoms of this earth. He was trying to have Jesus bypass the process, and Jesus says, No. It is written. It is written. Everything where the battle was, it continued to be. No, it is written, it is written. It is written. We've got to know God's word so we know how to combat the battles that are before us. Because I tell you, church, I have not seen the battles as intense against the church of Jesus Christ as I'm seeing now. And we are not, we are not outside of that realm of being, oh, everything here is going easy. Look around, things are going great, 22 baptisms, all that kind of stuff. I'm here to tell you. There is one who is not happy about what is going on and we do not fear the enemy of God but we do stand firm shoulder to shoulder and we've got to get in the game, folks. We've got to get off the sidelines, into the game and we've got to start living what we say we believe. We've got to start living not under the waters of, Lord, have you forgiven me? He says, yes, I've dealt with that. Now live in the power of this each and every day. Live in that power and you will see miracles happen. You will see lives being transformed and we get to celebrate that together. But we don't just celebrate. We know that this is gonna be a battle and the battle is only going to intensify. So here, in closing, in response, You have two choices. Everyone listening here at this moment, you might be on a hike right now listening to the sermon. I am encouraging you, stop right now, and I wanna ask you the honest question. Where are you placing your faith, in your works or the works of Jesus Christ, who has already said, it is finished, it is finished. The work has been complete, live in the power of that work. So, two choices, put faith in Jesus and belong to God, or don't put faith in Jesus and live eternally separated from God. I mean, really, those are only the only two choices. In the book of Romans chapter 6, 6 to 11, I'm going to read this paraphrase because I think it really just kind of brings it to life in, in the message. And the Apostle Paul says, this about what we have just talked about today. He says, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer it sins every beck and call. What we believe is this, if we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. Isn't that good news? That's what we celebrate today. That's why we make what is happening there at Eagle Lake at Fort Custer State Park such a big deal. This is heaven celebrating. We get to see heaven on earth in these kinds of ways because heaven says, heaven is celebrating when lives have been transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit and we get to partake in that this afternoon starting at one o'clock. It's gonna be a blast. We want everybody who can make it there. It's gonna be incredible food but it's gonna be great to see some. Now some guys that I'm baptizing, I mean, I probably am gonna to have to feel like the back of their head has to hit the sand at the bottom Bob, just to make sure that um, everything's washed away. But then in the very same way that we do here on a Sunday morning when we have baptisms here, we went out there, we want the beach of those who aren't a part of our group go, what is going on down there? And it's like lives are being changed for an eternity. It's not that act that is changing them, it is that act is a response to the obedience of what Jesus Christ has made possible, amen. So if you are watching, or if you are here and you are listening, and you just sense the Holy Spirit of God is tugging on your heart, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. I think so many times we could just too subtly Just me assume, oh, people are just going to pray and invite Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But sometimes we need some prompting. And so if you are listening and you just feel the Holy Spirit of God tugging at your heart, can you pray these words in silence after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, I believe you died for my sins. And right now, Lord, I open the door of my heart and life. I confess you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer, I would encourage you to get one of these cards The see back in front of you fill that out or if you're online uh, just hit the the raised hand button because we want to follow up with you um there is a, a box here it says i would like um i have um, i've received jesus christ today i prayed to become a new believer in christ i would encourage you to check that box You can put that in the uh, box as you leave where our offering goes or you can bring that up to somebody at the end of service who would love to pray with you. We have a special gift to help you on your journey. I would encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer, tell somebody. And my encouragement is if you prayed that prayer and you want to get baptized this afternoon at the lake, bring it on. We can handle it. It's going to be great. We want to celebrate this new life with you. And for those of you who've been walking maybe a life of faith, but you, you have been stymied by this whole idea of living in the power of the resurrection, what does that look like? I pray that this be an environment where we will encourage you to exercise what God has done to gift you to this family of faith and to the world to be the salt to be the light in the context that god has for you so that we can all as a unified team come under the authority of jesus christ the one who died and was resurrected identifying us with us in our sin but being raised in newness of life and saying okay come on board let's live in the power of this resurrection let me pray for, over you as we um, respond in, in praise to our God. Lord God, I thank you for your word. We come together as a family of faith and we celebrate today new life in you. Lord, your word is clear that this life isn't because of anything I've said or any of the other teaching pastors said or, or our very own words. The, these salvations have happened because your Holy Spirit is on the move. So Lord, use us any way you see fit. And Lord, we pray for more and more miracles to happen because we dare to live in the power of the resurrected Christ. We pray these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen.